You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Wow! Oh my goodness! I'm like a wreck just from worship. Because I know that the words of that song that we just sang are true. I've seen families reunited. There's people here. I've seen your families reunited. I've been physically healed. I've seen cancers disappear. I've seen broken bodies healed. I've seen families reunited. I've seen people raised from the dead. There are people here in this service that were pronounced dead, that were told that they were going to be vegetables, that they would never. There's no chance. There's no chance in hell, but there is a chance in heaven. people in overflow right now because this church this city is in revival and I want to pray right now there's a family in our church that needs a miracle Miranda and Mauricio we are praying we are praying for little Milani she's a friend of my daughter she's a friend of my sons and we believe that the miracle working God is working in your family in that hospital room right now that what the enemy intended for evil that God will use for good God, we thank you that you are a miracle-working God. God, I pray that you would open up our eyes and open up our ears to see and to hear and to believe in our hearts that you still do miracles, that you're still speaking, and that we are in revival, that this church is changing a city in Jesus' name. I just want to thank, first, the father of this house, my spiritual father, Pastor Jurgen Matesius and Pastor Leanne. Matesius, you're like dad and mom to me. My life wouldn't be the same. And I'm so grateful that you two hear from heaven that instead of just doing a men's conference because it's what churches do, that Jurgen waited to hear from God for what the city and the men of this city needed in this time. My first emerge, there were only 400 men. There's multiplication, multiplication, multiplication. And Pastor John, I just, I want to thank you so much. It's amazing just what you've done in, in my life. And Pastor Becky, what you've done in my life, that, that this church isn't just, there's not just leaders, we're a family. We don't just show up to church on Sunday so we can check the church box. We've got like, my wife and I, we've got brothers and sisters on, on our right and on our left. We're in community. We work things out in real time with each other. The only reason that I'm standing on this stage today with a transformed life, with a message for you is because I was actually transformed because our pastors laid down their lives so that my life could be raised up, so the lives of this church, so the lives of this city could be raised up. And I also want to thank Pastor Jeff Forbes and Pastor Charles, but especially you, Pastor Jeff, that there's, I, 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 Pastor Jeff and I have a cool relationship. We don't hang out all the time, but our stories have intertwined in the most beautiful, beautiful way. That at my first emerge, Epic in 2014, 
I saw Pastor Jeff get transformed by God. I was across the aisle from him. When he got transformed, when the guy that had eyes that we could kill you with his, with his stare, he had eyes that said, if you come close to me, if you try to talk to me, I will cut you. But in worship, the Holy Spirit transformed that man. I saw tears come down his face. And one of the most incredible things in, in my story, in my, my first emerge, I made, I made the decision and I planned out how I was going to propose to my beautiful wife, Jenny. And I'm so grateful that she brought me to this house. I came here on my second date with her. The reason I'm here is because of her. And the reason I met her was because of the obedience of a friend that got a prophetic word that she should introduce the two of us. But I came, we were, we were only like three and a half months into our relationship, but I knew, I knew that you were my, I knew that you were my wife and I made that decision at that Emerge. And the next year, Emerge 2015 on the, the Friday night, they'd called all the captains up to the stage. And Pastor Jeff, who wasn't Pastor Jeff back then, he was just Jeff Forbes, was up on the stage with the other captains. And as I looked across the stage, I saw all the captains up there. And at that time, all of our pastors were on teams of captains that they raised up. That our leadership, Pastor Jurgen, Pastor John, all of the other pastors had laid down their lives so that they could raise up leaders and not just give them like the scraps, but actually give them real responsibility. And I'd seen Pastor Jeff Forbes step into that. I'd seen him get a miraculous healing on his ankle. I'd seen him step into a different level of authority. And he led, he led his team to win the conference championship that year. And he led so powerfully that his color, his color is no longer available to captains because that color has been retired. It hasn't been retired, it's been promoted. It's now the color of the whole core team. And from a very broken place, he's the leader of the whole ministry. I've seen families reunited. I've seen mental health restored. Don't you tell me he can't do it, because I know that he can. And that night when I saw all those captains up on the, the stage, I realized something, that they had been raised up by the pastors in our house who had laid their lives down. And I had heard Christians talk about what it meant to be under a pastor's covering, what it meant to be submitted to a pastor's leadership. And I thought that was just weird Christian talk. I didn't grow up in church. I thought it was something that was weird Christian talk. And, and, but I realized how sneaky Jesus can be sometimes. <laughs> that because I had never been one who had submitted to anything, I had a broken relationship with my father. I had never been led properly. I didn't know how to lead others. And so I always tried to make myself at least equal to the leadership that was above me. I'd make the leadership that was above me dependent on me so they couldn't control me. And I realized in the first year that I was here and I had that revelation when I saw Pastor Jeff up on the stage that because our leaders laid their lives down, to raise our lives up. I'd seen my life transformed. In the first year that I was here, I got engaged. I got married. We did everything right. We didn't sleep together before we got married. We did everything right. But in the first month of our marriage, we got pregnant with my beautiful daughter, Ella. In that first year, I overcame incredible fear, incredible fear of judgment of man. I became Jesus in Hero of the Rock musical. 
there had been so much breakthrough in my life and Jeff was a reflection of the breakthrough that I saw in my life. And this year at the conference, he preached a message that affected me so deeply. And I mean, a lot of you guys know me and for those of you who don't, you will in a minute. But uh, God had, had, has built a beautiful puzzle in my life. And I thought all of the pieces were there until this weekend when Pastor Jeff spoke. And I realized that like out of a hundred piece puzzle, there was this one missing piece. And during his message, I saw this piece come together. And after he spoke, I just needed to be alone with God for a little bit. I knew that Bishop Dale Bronner was going to bring an incredible word, but I just, I, I needed time with the Lord. So I left the tent and I went back to my campsite and I wept. And I prayed and I thanked God for the willingness of our leaders to lay their lives down so that we would be raised up, that they, that they would be willing to be fresh and real and powerful to bring a message that would bring transformation, a message that the enemy will say that's going to bring judgment, but they know, no, 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 no. God's got in every testimony is the spirit of prophecy. And because he did it for me, I know he can do it for you. And he was willing to bring that message. And I just felt like, God, you gave me the missing piece. And I have to preach on Sunday. And thank God it's a fresh word. But oh my gosh, how am I going to prepare a message? <laughs> and I went back to the tent after I spent time with God. And I saw Jeff right as I was walking up. Jeff walked out. And I just gave him a huge hug. And I said, thank you, man. Thank you so much for what you did. And he said, you know, the only reason I was able to preach that word is because of you that there had been, we'd had a conversation, God had inconvenienced me, I lost my keys, I ended up having to be driven to the ranch at one point by Jeff, and we had this conversation, and that conversation spiraled into that message, but he said, I don't know if you know this or not, but when I was in my darkest time, my wife gave me your book, and it was because of your testimony that I believed that I could one day share mine. And it's an amazing thing that a seed goes into the ground, but, but you know, I sowed in, I sowed into my own breakthrough in being obedient to God. It was the craziest thing because like I didn't have any plans on writing a book. I had no plans on sharing the worst parts of my testimony on stage. But God said, if you censor what I've done in your life, you're going to censor what I want to do through your life. And I said, okay. Okay. You guys can take your seats. You're still standing. Please, please, please sit down. Okay. We've got a lot of Bible this morning. Who loves the Bible? <laughs> I want you to come in your Bible with me to the book of John chapter 20 verse 19. And we're going to go just so I prepare you in advance that we're going to go in the book of John. And then we're going to go to the book of Acts right back to the book of John. And then we're going to go to the book of Isaiah. And then I'm going to unpack some of these things for you. We're going to go on a journey, but I promise it's going to be good. So book of John chapter 20 verse 19 the same day, the same day that Jesus was resurrected and showed himself to Mary, that Sunday that he came out of the tomb, the same day at evening, beginning the first day of the week, when the doors were shut and the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, the fear of being persecuted, Jesus came and stood in the midst of the disciples and he said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and he showed them his side. He showed them his scars. Then the disciples we're glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the father has send, sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. 
If you forgive the sins of many, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas called the twin who was one of the 12 was not with them. When Jesus came, the other disciples therefore said to Thomas, we have seen the Lord. And so Thomas said to the other disciples, well, unless I see his hands, the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. And Jesus came, the doors being shut, he walked through the wall and he stood in their midst and he said, peace to you. And then he said to Thomas, Thomas didn't ask. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here, touch my scar and look at my hands and reach your finger here. Put your hand here, put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Then we're going to skip forward to Acts chapter one, verse four, and being assembled together with them. Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you have heard from me for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy spirit. Not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, Lord, we just need to know your schedule. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus said to them, don't worry about it. It's not for you to know the times of the season, which the father has put his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria and the end of, to the end of the earth. So back to John 21. So this all happened over an eight day period. The disciples were assembled. It had been a two days, you know, Jesus died on a Friday. He was in the tomb all day, Saturday. He came out of the tomb on Sunday morning, showed himself to Mary. If you add up the hours, by the way, from when he died to when he was resurrected, 40 hours, I'm not going to get into it, but um, he's in the room and he tells them, look at my scars. Look at my scars, not look at my wounds. He wasn't like dripping blood. The Holy Spirit had healed him and had transformed him, had changed his wounds into scars. And he said, I need you to look so you can be my witnesses. I need you to look so you can be my witnesses. You're going to go out across the world and you're going to give your testimonies. And I need you to know that this happened to me. And because it happened to me, everything that I said was true. And then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And when he breathed on them, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom. And then he told them to wait until they receive power. There's a difference between receiving the Holy Spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit when we get saved. But then we need power to go out and do the works that God's calling us to, to live the life that he wants us to, to live. So he told them to wait. But after these things, John 21, verse one, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the sea of Tiberias because they didn't wait. He's told them what they were going to do. He showed them that he was healed and then they left because waiting is hard. They had just been in this incredible trauma. They had just seen their leader killed and crucified. And then they saw the greatest miracle that the earth had ever known. He came back fully healed with scars to prove it. Walked through the wall, was in their midst and said, look. And even with Thomas, who wasn't there the first time, the first 11 disciples, he just said, look. But Thomas, he knew that Thomas needed to touch. And he said, touch these things. 
He didn't wait for Thomas to object. He said, hey, I know what you need. Touch my scars. Know that they're real. You know, and Thomas called the doubter. He brought the church to China. He brought the church to India. Thomas went further than any of the other disciples when he was finally filled with the spirit. But when Jesus told them to wait in Jerusalem, to be filled with the power of the spirit, to wait, to have wisdom around their own healing so they could be filled with the power of the spirit and go out with a powerful testimony. They didn't wait. They went back to their old jobs. He had brought these fishermen, average Joes from a small community, and he had brought them into the big city, into Jerusalem. And he said, I need you to wait here. Don't go back to your former lives. But they didn't. They went back 294 miles away to the city of Capernaum, where they were from, and they went fishing. After Jesus showed himself again to the disciples of the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed them, Simon Peter, closest guy to Jesus, Thomas called the twin, that guy that doubted, but also changed the world. Nathaniel of Cana of Galilee, the sons of Deb- Zebedee, James and John. Peter, James and John, Jesus' three best friends. They had seen him on the Mount of Transfiguration. They had, they had seen Moses. They had seen Elijah up in heaven. They had witnessed miracles. But waiting was too much for them, and they went back to their former lives. And there were two other disciples there too. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said, we're going with you also. And they went out and immediately got into that boat and they caught nothing. God called them out of a life that was sort of purposeful, maybe, but a job that anybody could do. He called them into purpose and they went back to their former jobs and it was, they caught nothing. You know, when God changes you and he calls you, you can't go back. You can't go back because you can be toiling away all night and it'll produce nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. And then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? He'd already told them that he was the food from heaven. And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast and then they weren't able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. He needed, they needed his power. And therefore the disciple who Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now catch this. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment. He put on his fisherman's coat. And you know, the outer garment is how men were identified. He's like, I'm going to go talk to Jesus, but I need him to know that this, this call on my life, it's too much for me. I'm a fisherman. I'll always be a fisherman. I denied him three times. There's, I can't, I can't do, I can't do this, this disciple thing. He put on his jacket and then he jumped in the water to swim to the shore to meet Jesus. Jesus didn't listen to him. Jesus had another word for him, but that's a conversation for another time. Turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah 11, uh, verse 1. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge of the fear of the Lord. 
Bishop Dale Bronner at the conference, I don't know how many of you guys caught this, but he said something in his last session that just blew my mind. He said that, that comfort comes from the same root as fortress. And the world has reduced comfort to meaning a little pat on the back. There, there, it's going to be okay. But comfort comes from the Latin. Calm means expressing intensive force. And fortis means strong. The real meaning of comfort is to strengthen greatly. A lost and dying world doesn't need a there, there. A lost and dying world needs the power of a testimony. That Revelation 12, 11 says that the accuser was cast down to hell and he was overcome by the blood of the lamb, which was Jesus's sacrifice. Jesus said to them that it is better that I should go. I tell you the truth. It's better that I should go away. For if not, the comforter will not come unto you. I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you in to all truth. What Jesus was saying to his disciples is there are things that you cannot understand right now. You can't handle the truth about yourself. You can't handle the truth about me. I've shown you that I've been resurrected. I have let you see my scars, the proof that I've been healed, but you need to wait Because there's one that's coming that will fill you with all knowledge and power. He'll give you a supernatural understanding of things that you can't see right now. And I'm not going to send you out empty handed. I'm going to send you out filled with my spirit. It's better that I should go. Because when Jesus was here on earth, he was the only man who had ever walked who was perfect. And because he was the only perfect one, the spirit of God could only rest on him. But he said, it's better that I should go because I'm going to sacrifice my life. I'm going to pour out my blood so you can be covered in my blood so that my righteousness could become your righteousness, that you're not saved sinners. You'll become saints. And when you become saints, the spirit of God can can land on you and will live inside of you and out of you because you're going to be transformed and I need you to wait. Until you're filled with power from on high. You know, Moses delivered the Israelites out of Egypt. He delivered them out of bondage. But then God had them wait in the desert. And sometimes that desert season is hard. It can look like it's punishment. It can look like it's too much. But he needed to get them out of their worldly comfort zone. So he could give them true comfort. So he could give them an experience. So he could give them a witness that he is always with them. He is their ever present help in times of trouble. That he is a covering in the day from the hot sun. He's a cloud during the day and a fire at night. He needed to bring them out of comfort to set them up to step into their promise. And there's a lot of people that try to step into the promise without the discomfort of the desert. And I'm going to tell you that the desert is not the promise that you need to wait. And in that time of waiting, you need to be surrounded by brothers on your right and your left, not ones that complain. 
You know, and some of us have probably read those parts of Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Exodus and been like, gosh, God is so hard, hard on the, the Israelites. But I'm telling you, if God is going to work a miracle through your life, he can't afford to have you around people that complain. He needs to have you around people that are going to encourage, that are going to build up, that are going to witness to you and tell you that the power of God is real because we've seen it before and we know that we're going to see it again. And every testimony is the spirit of prophecy. So my message today is called show your scars. Like I said, Jesus didn't show his wounds. He showed his scars. And sometimes when we're wounded, when we're in a desert season, we think we need to show our scars, but the, it's, it's not, it's not done yet. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the Holy Spirit, is the only one that can heal, heal our wounds. But when he comes and he binds up our wounds, he leaves our scars. Because a lost and dying world needs to know that he's real. We don't come as Christians to teach. We come as witnesses. That we need to witness to people that Jesus is real. Cause you can tell me, Oh gosh, that part of the Bible doesn't make sense to me. It's okay. His spirit hasn't come on you yet. There's, you can't handle the truth right now. Just wait. But he uses us as his witnesses. I know that I've been transformed. I know that I've been healed and I've seen healing, not in my own life, not just in my own life, but in so many others lives. And there's people like literally dozens of people here that I know today that have been healed miraculously by things that no worldly healing could ever heal. I've seen impossible things happen. I was healed of sciatic nerve pain that cost me a hundred thousand dollars trying to figure out what was wrong with me. Pastor John in one word said in Jesus name, be healed. But he shared his testimony first because he was healed. He had the authority to speak with authority to me and tell me right here, be healed. And I was healed. It's never come back. And you know, I told you that there was a little piece of my puzzle that was missing. There were things about me that I still didn't understand. And when Pastor Jeff was speaking this weekend, I saw what that piece was. You know, I was, I, my mom kidnapped me from France to get me away from an emotionally immature alcoholic a father who was very emotionally abusive to her and to other people. And she just couldn't take it anymore. And she brought me to Canada because in France, the father always gets custody when a, when a divorce happens. She did it to save me, but it took me away from my father who I loved. And during the divorce proceedings, I'm like three and a half years old, four years old, and he couldn't see me without a court appointed supervisor. And I don't know if any of you have ever had supervised visitations or know what that's like, but it's awkward. And there'd be this woman with glasses and a notebook that would follow us around. And she'd always be like a few steps away from us. If we're sitting at a restaurant in a booth, she'd be like five booths back and she'd be like, And he couldn't handle it. He couldn't wait. So he opted out. He didn't fight for me. He just said, that's, that's too much for me. I'm not going to let some woman tell me when and how I can see my son. It's too much. I can't wait. 
And when we would see each other, and literally I'm like three and a half years old, four years old, every conversation that we had was the same. He would say, Morgan, you know, I love you, but I hate your mother. So let's not talk about your mother. Let's just talk about you. But Morgan, you are so much like your mother. You know, you look like your mother. You are artistic, Morgan. Morgan, you know, I am your father, but I am not your dad because your mother will not let me be your dad. I made you, but I'm not raising you. My father shared his wounds with me. And I want to tell you as a leader, if you are a man, you are called to lead. And as a leader, you need covering. You need brothers that are going to be on your right and your left. And you need leaders that have gone before you. Because if you're leading and you're processing down, if you're sharing your wounds with those that you're meant to lead, you're not helping them. You're freaking traumatizing them. Because as a three-year-old little boy, I couldn't carry the wounds of my father. But I felt like I needed to. Because even though I didn't like what was coming out of his mouth, it's the only interaction that we got. And at five years old, when the divorce was final, I didn't see him again. Until I was 16, I showed up at his house and I said, deal with me. And when I was 16, he gave me the same, same thing that he gave me when I was three. But when I was five, my mom started dating a guy and he was the first guy that really took a real interest in me, the kind of interest that you think a father should take in a little boy. He would take me out and do things with me. He would buy me things. He taught me how to play basketball. He would cheer me on for playing soccer and for swimming. He would listen to me when I talked to him. And I thought, maybe I'm going to get a dad. And we went on a vacation with, with him to the Caribbean. And a week into the vacation, he had me alone in the room and he molested me. And I saw that this weekend that I hadn't ever seen it exactly this way before. That I let him do that to me. And thank God that my mom walked into the room before too much had happened. But I knew that I didn't fight him off. And I had a deep, deep shame about that. Because even though I knew what he was doing was wrong, though I didn't want that to, to be done, I thought if I said no, I thought if I rejected him that he'd reject me. And when we left, we immediately left. My mom caught that. She took me down to the office at the Club Med that we were staying at. She had me wait there. She got all of our stuff and we left our vacation early. And then instead of flying home, we flew to Fort Lauderdale and my mom told his sister about what had happened. And I sat in the car for two hours by, while these two women were crying and I didn't know what went, went on, but I felt like I was somehow responsible. I never had a man that told me how to have a proper relationship. And so I did relationships wrong. Like high school was a race to lose my virginity. And I had a lot of broken relationships with women. I dated a, a woman that gave me uh, a weird kind of twisted, broken love. And I became addicted to her, but she was a sociopath legitimately. Narcissistic personality disorder, whole nine. And I got a lot of trauma in that relationship. And I made an inner vow thinking that my relationships, I'm too broken to have a relationship with women. Maybe I'll see what I can do in getting a relationship with men. And I went through that and found even more brokenness. 
And God sent a man who was a Christian who was very broken himself in the midst of all of that. My hairdresser, he was cutting my hair and he looked at me in the mirror. He looked straight into my eyes and he said, I've seen what you're doing. And if you keep doing it, one day you won't be able to do anything else. And it literally put the fear of God in me because I'd seen what he was doing. And I knew how broken his life was. And even though he was in a very broken place, God still used him to get me out of my broken place. You know, and I, I got, not immediately afterwards, but relatively soon afterwards, I started asking questions about faith. And eventually I came to a church and I heard the gospel preached and I started studying the word of God. And I, his spirit wasn't in me. I was just seeing, I'm like, I, God, I, I want to believe. I think that this is the only thing, way it could work out. Because if it's about me being perfect so I can be accepted by you, I know that that'll never work. But if, if I just dare believe that maybe you're so good that you'll, you'll grow, even though I haven't had a father, that you'll grow me like a father's supposed to mature me in your time and in your way by your power, that it's not about me trying to do this on my own, but just letting you do this in me. All I have to do is show up and let, let my, my, my death grip on my life of trying to work this out on my own, trying to figure this out on my own. I just have to lay it down. And if I lay it down, if I lay all of my unrighteousness, all of my failure down at the foot of the cross, that you'll cover me in your blood and you'll fill me with your spirit and transform me in your time and your way. And I, and I believe that that's the only way it could work out. And then in one, one church service, it was a communion service. We were taking communion. The guy on the stage was saying something and God was saying something completely different to my heart. And I had an experience with the Holy Spirit that changed my life. And from that moment to this, there has been perpetual growth. It hasn't been perfect, but man, it's been growth. And God needed to heal. He needed to keep me in a desert. He needed to keep me in a desert for just a little, little bit of time to be able to heal those wounds. So I wasn't just bleeding on everybody that I met. And he did that. And he was faithful. What I believed actually happened, that he put his spirit in me and his spirit started doing things that I didn't even understand. And there are some people that are Christians that all they do in their, their Christian walk is take an offensive position to sin. They try to stay away from the bad thing, but the sin is still in their heart because their spirit hasn't come and transformed their heart. But I'm going to tell you what freedom from sin feels like when your heart no longer desires to go back to that vomit that you used to feed on. That you don't have to go back to the thing that used to keep you stuck in bondage ever again. That you can actually be fully free because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Yeah. A wound is evidence that you've been hurt, but a scar is a testimony that you've been healed. And I want to tell you that the world needs your scars. If you're still wounded... Don't go sharing your wound with everybody. Get a few close brothers around you and one that's gone before you. If you're a woman, get a group of women around you, sisters that you can actually do life with. Get into a connect group. Come to men's prayer. Come to women's prayer. Get in the middle. Get in community. And God will use those people. They will use those testimonies to show you, I was wounded, but I'm healed. And you can be too, because God is no respecter of persons. And in every testimony is the spirit of prophecy that because he did it for me, I know he'll do it for you. And I've seen him do it for so many of you. But sometimes when we've been healed, 
We don't fulfill the other side of Revelation 12, 11, that says the accuser was overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimonies. But the other side of that scripture says that they did not live, they did not love their lives. And sometimes when I, when I was first asked to share on stage, I prayed to God and I swear to God, this is, this actually happened. I prayed to God and I said, I don't know what's safe for church. God, what do you want me to do? I could do the soft lob that I was a teenage drug addict and God delivered me from all that dysfunction, which is powerful. But I have a feeling that you want to do more and God, (laughs) I don't want to, (laughs) but I'm willing to let the seed that is my life go into the ground and die so that a tree could come out in its place. And I know that God said to me, if you censor what I've done in your life, you're going to censor what I want to do through your life. And I said, okay. And I was willing to not love my life so much that I was afraid of people's judgment. And you know what I found? That when I've really shared my scars, when I've shared the things that hurt me the most, but have given to God and let him heal me, when I've shared them with others, I've never been rejected. I've only been accepted. I have an incredible, incredible amount of people in my life, people that I don't even know sometimes that come up to me and say, I read your book and your book set me, set me free. It gave me just a little mustard seed of faith that if, because God did it for you, he could do it for me. And I've seen him do it. Testimony after testimony after testimony. Do you know what you might be holding breakthrough back from people that need your testimony? We're not all broken in the same way, but all of us have experienced the brokenness of living in a fallen world. And if you're still wounded, if you're like, I can't even imagine that day. Just come into the house of God. Stick your hand out, introduce yourself to the brother on your left and the brother on your right. Come to men's prayer. Let men lay hands on you and pray for you. Develop intimate relationships with other people. Get a mentor, get a leader in your life that's going to be able to lead you. Come to connect group, not just to bring food, but bring yourself. Let us get to know you. And in knowing you, let us get to love you. And how you get the revelation that you're, you're actually loved, that we're not just friendly, that we actually know how to be friends. Let the testimonies of others transform your heart and then let your testimony, once you're healed, once you're out of that desert and have stepped into the promised land, show your scars. I know that there's some of you today that have been hiding and maybe the the experience that emerged let you come out of hiding a little bit. But when you came home last night, you're like, it doesn't feel like it did out at the ranch. Like, I don't know how I'm supposed to do life. If you're still wounded and haven't been completely healed yet, that's okay. You're here. You're here in the house of God. And this house is a house of transformation. You don't have to know what it's going to look like. You just have to surrender to the process. Let yourself be known. Let a little bit out of there. Come into friendship with people and let us love you until you can, you can love yourself and let us introduce you to the one that, that's the source of all love. And if you've been Christian and this message sounds like something that's too good to believe for you because you've been sitting in the house of God your whole life just following rules, 
I want to tell you that there's so much more. That the devil will get cast out of your life by the blood of the lamb, by your redemption. That's what redemption is. That he takes our sin, he covers them with his righteousness. We become righteous. The spirit lands in on us. We start to be transformed. And then he surrounds us with a great cloud of witnesses that speak into our lives and say, I know that you're on this journey. I know that you're in this desert, but hey, I'm a couple of steps ahead of you. Come on, it's good up here. God's faithful to complete every good work that he starts. And I know because he did it for me, he's gonna do it for you. So whether you've been in church or you don't know Jesus, but you've, you've, you've got just a little mustard seed of hope that maybe he can transform your life today, I wanna pray for you. And if you're here and maybe you've been here for a while, but you still feel like you're in the desert, I want to pray for you too. And I'm not going to ask you to bow your heads. I'm not going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand because I want the people around you to know who you are so that they can come into your life, that they can pray for you, that they can lift you up. So if there's anybody like that in here, I want you to raise your hand right now so I can pray for you. Be bold. God bless you. 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 You are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And after this prayer, I'm going to open up the altar, have the ministry team come down so they can pray for you for specific things that you're dealing with right now, but also so they can connect you. So you can connect with them, they can connect with you, and they can connect you with next steps. If you need to get baptized, if you need to join a connect group, if you need to come to men's prayer, they'll tell you how they did it, and they'll show you how to to get involved. But let's now bow our heads and close our eyes, and I want you to repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you so loved me, that you sent your one perfect son to take my righteousness or my unrighteousness and give me his. Father God, I thank you that when you called your son back up to heaven, that you gave me his spirit, the spirit of truth, the spirit of wisdom, and the spirit of power. Holy Spirit, change my heart, grow me, show me the beautiful life that you have for me. And I thank you that heaven is my home, that God is my perfect father, and that you have me on a journey. Surround me in community. Don't let me get away. But instead, Let my wounds be transformed by your blood and by the shown scars of the community around me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.